This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, last Thursday in Washington, Joe Biden, the president, stumbled and fell on a platform where he had made a short speech. It was another moment, and there have been others. This was the fourth time he has stumbled in public in recent months. And, of course, he's 80 years of age, and there are doubts about his capacity and his cognitive faculties, as well as, at 80 years of age, whether he can be an effective president for six more years, really. He's going to be the Democratic nominee. He is the Democratic nominee, we think, in 2024. That election is 17 months away or thereabouts next November. But already, the Republicans are up and running. Trump is declared And Ron DeSantis appears at the moment, the governor of Florida, who won Florida by 20 points. And Florida is a swing state, purple state, as they call them. So DeSantis is running, and both of those gentlemen would be facing, it looks like, a weakened President Biden, whose poll numbers at the moment are shocking. What would this mean for Europe? What would it mean for Ukraine? We're joined now to talk about that by John Kampfner. John is one of the most distinguished British journalists. He's also an author and a broadcaster. His book, Why the Germans Do It Better, Notes from a Grown-Up Country, was well-received and sold well. And he is now writing another book about Germany. John, thank you very much for joining us and welcome. The signs of Joe Biden's frailty, in a sense belie, I think, but your opinion is what we want, the really outstanding leadership he's given over the Russian invasion of Ukraine in terms of galvanizing NATO, uniting Europe in a kind of way, putting American power, financial and weaponry behind Ukraine in a sort of an uncompromising way. And it's I think, made a difference. Would you agree with that assessment of Biden so far? Hi there, Eamon. I mean, I think Biden is almost a metaphor for the way people look at politics in the around the world nowadays. He's the opposite of the populist. In fact, he's one of the very few avowedly non-populist leaders yes. anywhere in the world. He doesn't go for cheap stunts. He doesn't go for charisma. He doesn't go for 
the grand gesture. He gets on with his work. And yeah, if you did a line-by-line assessment of what he has done in his first term, it's pretty impressive. Um, the very strong support from Ukraine for Ukraine at a time when everybody was pretty much writing off the the resolve of the West. In, it was like yes. only a matter of time before the authoritarians took over everywhere. NATO had been declared by President Macron, no less, as brain dead, etc. On the domestic front, even though Europe and others have been squealing, he has introduced this incredibly radical Inflation Reduction Act um, to protect uh, American jobs, but at the same time to absolutely... Uh, fast-track American commitment to green energies. It's just almost like a complete recalibration of the American economy. If that isn't a testament to the power of the state, I don't know what is. And then only uh, recently he got through, through the gritted teeth of the Republicans, um, a budget deal at a time when everybody was fearing that the American economy would literally grind to a halt, not to mention other things as well. And yet, and yet, and yet, the only thing people talk about is when he stumbles, when he falls down, when he misspeaks, uh, whatever else like that, and they they think he's too old, and it's moot whether he is or not. So we're just in this incredibly confused world where somebody who's actually done pretty well but isn't given the credit. Yes, and I mean, the numbers of people, it's 37% of people who think that he is strong enough to be president and continue to be until six years from now. The other number is a bad one. All the polls have him trailing a Republican, whether it be Trump or DeSantis or some other one, although it seems unlikely to be. The question that would concern us, and I wonder if you share the concern, is what an American first or make America great again president would mean for NATO, for Europe, for Ukraine, and how close we are to that. We seem to be close to losing the Biden administration, which, as you describe it, is, is you know, it deserves some merit, to say the very least. And it's, it's a kind of old-fashioned belief we had that the Americans would, you know, as Roosevelt did, come in before the Second World War and support us. And uh, there's another issue, of course, which Biden has been very forthright on, and that is the Chinese interest in Taiwan. He said, and it isn't official, official American policy, but he had said America would not stand idly by if China made a move on Taiwan He's not supposed to say that, but he said it, and he said it credibly. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't say, Eamon, that all is all is immediately lost at all. Yes. I mean, the campaign hasn't even begun, so we have no idea how it, you know, how it will pan out, and of course, um, you know, what will will happen. We are still what are we, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen months away from an American election. And anything can, you know, a week is a long time in politics. That's a lot of weeks. Uh, I don't understand why Biden has chosen or rechosen Kamala Harris as his running mate, because 
at the risk of sounding morbid, uh, if Biden did die on the campaign trail or into his second term, everybody is looking at who would take over from him. Yes. There'd be many examples of vice presidents becoming president. And she has no great political power base or strength. She has hugely underperformed and unimpressed. So why he wanted to stick with her, I, I don't know. A very strong Veep would make, uh, I think, would have yes. got some people who were reluctant to support Biden because of his health and potential longevity uh, over the line. But it does depend in, in what happens. Obviously, it will depend a lot on events, but it does depend on just how rational or irrational the American voter is going to be. And Trump won last time by a whisker, and there was such a uh, dislike, rightly or wrongly, for Hillary Clinton that, you know, um, it was almost like the Democrats lost it rather than the Republicans won it. Yes. And then a lot of Americans, reasonable Americans, not Trumpistas, but reasonable, the people in the middle who voted for him, but then they saw what a Trump first term was like. Would they really have the stomach to vote for him again? So, you know, who knows? Now, that assumes Trump will win the Republican nomination, which is, I think he will. I mean, we we saw or didn't quite see the abject, the sort of hilariously abject launch of the yes. um, <laughs> of the great Elon Musk show with Ron DeSantis, yes. uh, which was a, you know, it'll be held up in future as how not to launch a campaign um, in the future. It hasn't absolutely killed DeSantis, but my God, it sent him backwards. Yes. None of the other candidates, Nikki Haley, possibly Mike Pence, who knows, but it seems unlikely. It seems like the, the and uh, Trump has pretty much got the Republican Party now uh, where he wants it. So it will be probably a Biden against Trump. So to your question, let's just assume he will win. And I think it's a pretty reasonable assumption, notwithstanding what I've said. It will be absolute mayhem. It will be mayhem on Ukraine. One of the reasons, and it you know, may well be that the counteroffensive has already begun or it's right on the cusp of becoming now. That is why what happens in the course of 2023 in Ukraine is so important. Yes. Because by the time we get to next year, the, uh, the extent to which the Americans will wish to engage on, uh, on Ukraine will be far, far less um, than they have this year. Uh, it's also absolutely uh, is a great uh, sense of rejuvenating Putin because he just thinks, oh, wow, I just need to hang on um, in Ukraine and generally. And then we get Trump uh, coming yes. in, who's already said, as you as you said in your preamble, that, you know, he's he's neutral. I think neutral's probably putting it politely. I think he, you know, he loves authoritarians. You know, he would have probably done a deal with Kim Jong-un in North Korea, given half a chance. Yes. Uh, you know, he, you know, he loves Putin. He loves Erdogan. Uh, he loved Bolsonaro uh, before Bolsonaro was kicked out. So, you know, the more unpleasant they are, the more likely they're to be friends with Trump. But then we get um, to also to something you said, then we get to China. And that is where it could well be that Trump is spoiling for a fight. Yes, and of course, a fight with China would be no win for everyone. And the Chinese have said that. And indeed, the Biden administration sent an emissary in recent weeks, a senior CIA figure, to talk to the Chinese in an attempt to prevent 
things escalating there as they seem to have been doing. The question that also arises, I think, is the unity of Europe that Biden has encouraged and, in a sense, inspired. He's come to Europe. He's had meetings. NATO is strong. There is unity where, in in reality, I mean, and you know it better than most because you spent you spent so much time as a correspondent in Russia and in Germany and elsewhere. The unity now, say, between the Hungarians, Poles, French, Germans, is it strong enough, would you say? It's a good question. Um, Yeah, it's a very important question, isn't it? It's a mixed picture. Um, It's a hell of a lot stronger than it was. I mean, NATO as an institution and the European Union as an institution both being, by the way, very well led by Stoltenberg and von der Leyen, respectively. Yes. And that has made um, a big difference. Uh, Germany and France, absolutely the centre. I would say, with the Brits now gone, the Poles are the third part of the triangle. And the problem is that relations between Germany and Poland are absolute poison. And um, the Poles don't trust the Germans. The Polish elections coming up towards the end of this year... There's been a huge amount on sort of sort of Germany bashing, looking for wartime reparations of uh, into a trillion euros, which is kind of not you know not remotely feasible. But it's all good politics. Relationships are terrible, and uh, the Germans are in a complete quandary because everybody needs Poland now, um, which has got an incredibly authoritarian government, which is just trying to change the constitution again to consolidate its power and isolate the opposition. And in so many ways, Poland is like Hungary uh, with with Orban. But at at the same time, they're on completely opposite sides of the fence when it comes to Russia. Yes. Um, You know, Poland is, along with the Baltics and, must be said, the Brits, the sternest, uh, the firmest. Uh, for a tough line against Russia. And the the Hungarians are the soft underbelly. Um, interestingly, I mean, not all the uh, authoritarians or populist right um, have been as pro-Putin as one had imagined. Uh, when Georgia Maloney took over in Italy, yes. she had form in saying, oh, Putin's not so bad. And Italy and Italian corporates have always um, been very cosy with uh, with Russia. But she has she has played ball, and she has um, quietly, notwithstanding what she's doing on the domestic agenda, she has quietly impressed or at least relieved uh, NATO and EU officials. So it is a mixed bag. Brits are are out of the EU, as we know, and that has done irreparable damage on so many fronts. And yet, on the Ukraine side of things, yes. they are still very influential. So. Um, you know, particularly this sort of northern corridor, the Brits into the Nordics, into the Baltics, and down to Poland, almost sort of circumventing the French and the Germans. But you know, Schultz has got a lot tougher on on Russia. Macron is incredibly vain as usual, and will just do anything to sort of self preen. But at the same time, it is still hanging in there. And but what really matters is what happens over the next six months. Yes, and speaking of Macron, he has urged talks, peace talks, on Zelensky. He is a rogue in the sense that he is liable to do what's best for him and therefore for France in his mind, 
but he, he is a rogue. My question to you, John, is knowing Europe as well as you do, in a post-Biden situation, which is, of course, as you say, it's 16, 17 months, but I think it might be anticipated because it might it may well be that polls tell us long before that election takes place the outcome. Will European stability and indeed NATO's, will it hold in the light of the differences you've referred to there? For example, the difference between Poland and Germany, difference between Germany and France as well, and Britain being outside. And it's one of the ironies of our time that Johnson, Boris Johnson, for all his sort of unattractive features, let's call them. That's putting it mildly. Well, it is, yeah. He gave a lead, showed leadership, and his government did. And indeed, they continue to do. Wallace, the defence minister in Britain, appears to be very, very good. So the question is, how dangerous for Europe is the prospect of a Trump presidency or a DeSantis presidency? Um, Different, um, I would say. Uh, Trump, Everybody knows what he's like, and he's going to be even more unhinged second time around. Um, I think it is incredibly dangerous because some populists are kind of um, extreme, but also deeply, deeply irrational and therefore unpersuadable about anything and capable very much of acting on impulse. And that is Trump. And in an international arena, We already saw that with him, and I think we would see the same multiplied by several times. Mm. With DeSantis, obviously, unlike Trump, in international affairs, an unknown quality. He um, is trying to rival Trump for the Republican voter with the the, the sort of absurdly rhetorical battle uh, on, on the culture wars and against liberals, He's fighting this incredible sort of one-man battle against Disney. And losing. And losing. And he's certainly not cutting uh, an impressive figure. And I think, you know, shares are being sold um, uh, yes. on him <laughs> all, all, all the time. But let's, let's assume he did somehow win. Uh, he would go, he would do all that sort of stuff. But I, I work from the assumption that he might, unlike Trump, he might turn out to be right-wing but pragmatic. Yes. Um, As would Nikki Haley, uh, very much a fringe candidate, former Trump um, ambassador to the United Nations, as would Mike Pence, former vice president who famously refused to endorse Trump's attack on Congress uh, in uh, January 2021. So, those are the other candidates, but I'm not sure whether the Republican Party has any appetite for anybody but Trump. And that brings into question American support for NATO, American funding, American weaponry. They've provided mm. more f- money, more weapons, and Trump himself said it last week in that televised town hall. He said, we've given $170 billion. Europe in total, has given 21. And he made that comparison, and he said, we're mad. 
we needed for our own people. That's but if, but that's but in that respect, I'm 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 with the Americans. Um, and it wasn't just Trump; they've all been saying it. Yes, uh, Obama was saying it. Before. Really, I didn't yeah, know it, that. It, it, it is an absurdity that Europe, uh, the you know, a place of in total GDP terms, uh, extraordinary wealth, spends so little on defense. Yes, uh, in the and you know the Americans. Now, during the Cold War, you could argue, well, Europe was split in two. Uh, it was still rebuilding from the Second World War, and America was the hegemon, the global hegemon. Uh, Post-Cold War, post-89, 1991, that has been gradually shifting, obviously just the rise of China, but also the Americans um, uh legitimately saying well we have to look after numero uno which is our own people i you know i think that sort of sense of the americans putting their foot down and demanding more of europe is not uh, a purely selfish america first approach it is saying look why should we be your nursemaids all the time uh, relieving you of the financial pressure to look after yourselves uh, and you know and committing uh, you know bodies now i think had it not been for the uh, for Putin's invasion of Ukraine, the American withdrawal from Europe, physical withdrawal, which had been continuing all the way through the the noughties and the tens, would have continued apace. This yes. has stalled it, but uh, it's been clear for many many years, more than a decade, that America sees China and the Indo Pacific and the South South China Sea as the next potential theater and and the most important security question. And it's saying to the Europeans, look, Russia is on at your back door. It's on your doorstep. Um, but, you know, it's this is Europe. And what are you guys doing? And that's why, you know, it's so important what happened with Schultz and the Titan vendor um, in terms of the Germans saying to uh, their voters, uh, we can't continue like this. We've got to look after ourselves. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How strong is the... European commitment to Ukraine absent America? <laughs> That's a really good question. Sorry. No, I mean, really it's such a, no, it's a really good question because it's one of those that does make you it does make you wonder because it is also partly this dependency um, issue. It also depends, there isn't a single Europe on this. If you share yes. a border with Russia, if you're Poland, if you're the Bolts, if you're Finland now. You're Moldova. God if you're Moldova, them. although that's not in NATO, um, uh, you are frightened stiff. Yes. Um, and any illusions you might have had, this whole idea of you hug Putin close and, you know, and the German idea of you create economic interdependence, then, it, you know, it goes against the grain and everybody's self-interest to act in a belligerent way. Well, you know, all of that has been shot now. Everybody has seen Russia for what it is. There is no going back. But you're absolutely right. If the Americans did withdraw, what on earth would Europe do? But more to the point, what would Putin do? For Putin, it would be absolute manner from heaven. Yes. Uh, you know, the big question is, you know, NATO's Article 5, you know, the mutual defense yes. clause, an attack on one and is an attack on all. So if somebody is attacked, NATO has to defend that country by force. Um, now, what would happen? in a Trump presidency, would he even recognize Article 5? Would they encourage NATO to invoke Article 5? Or would he find an excuse saying, oh, my friend Vlad has been provoked by this person and that person. You know, he's not going to get, you know, he's just going to duff up a few people and then withdraw his forces again. Yes. Uh, and if that happens, I mean, NATO is over. Yes. Uh, and there is a strong case, as I'm sure you know, John, given America's experience in Vietnam Afghanistan, Iraq, they they talk of spending too much blood and treasure. There is a strong case for Americans who want to retreat to isolationism, and I'm sure that that's an argument Trump makes and believes in, unlike most of what he says. I just want to ask you a final question about the dangers of all of this. This disengagement from Europe and the possible fragmentation. Mm -hmm. And finally, and I want to, if possible, put it in the context of another Brexit tragedy, that Britain is not part of Europe now, when it's really needed. I don't, I wouldn't, I would quibble with your use of the term isolationism. Right. I don't think America first is isolationism. It is saying we put our self-interest first. 
Yes. And whatever is good for us is good for us, and that's what we pursue. There's no more sense of, not that anybody is advocating anymore, of a sort of Iraq, Afghanistan style, oh, you know, it's, um, you know, uh, you know, we need to fight the good fight. Yeah, or be on, the, on, the phrase, the world's policeman. You yeah, may be too young all, to remember that. <laughs> yeah. So the world's policemen know, but America using force for its own national yes. self-interest, still potentially yes. Then it's the question of what is America's national self-interest. Well, then you've got a question of China and you've got, you know, I mean, the, diff the massive difference between, uh, in American eyes between Russia and China is that China is a massive economic player and Russia isn't. What Russia is, is a kleptocracy, yes. a fossil fuel state that managed to lure Europe and others into a, a dependency on its oil and gas, mercifully that dependency which has largely gone, and largely gone very impressively in, in barely a year. But Russia's got nothing else to offer anyone. Yes, There isn't a Russian model of development. There isn't Russian soft power. There's nothing. There's just corruption and kleptocracy. China is different. Yes, And that's why China is so much more of a challenge to the United States. So, you know, you would have a very, very unpredictable world. Um, and as I say, the problem with Trump is that you don't know what to expect at any time um and you know terrible rhetoric and basically an unhinged person um but at the same time uh you're not going to have i think an america that just withdraws into its into its shores because it's not in its own interest to do so um now whether this i mean you know i mean the really armageddon thing is that all of this makes brexit seem like a tea party <laughs> seems like absolutely you know uh nothing else you know i mean the macron idea which isn't very well expressed because it always sounds sort of very sort of pompous uh, strategic autonomy but it is basically saying to europe look you guys you know whether you you know it would be nicer if you had been the european union britain but you're not now yeah. um but can we please all rally together and not just in military terms but in strategic security terms can we come up with one voice the problem with that is that it's just it's incredibly difficult because so many countries have got different agendas Okay, John, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and we're very grateful to you indeed, John Kampfner. We're grateful to John, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.